<laughs> yeah. If you are fortunate enough to have a place to sit, would you have a seat really quick? If you're not, I'm sorry, Merry Christmas. So every year, um, obviously we come to Christmas time and as a pastor, you know, like, I'm gonna have to talk about Christmas. And in, in the early days of vintage, I was like, bah humbug, I'm not doing it. Um, but every year I've discovered that as I read through the story and think about it and prepare it, the Lord's really faithful to always highlight an idea or two. There's this phrase in Isaiah that we read, Pastor Gary shared with us, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. And these will be his names. A couple years back I taught on this passage on a Christmas Eve, but it's, since that time it's just stuck with me. Sometimes I think we glass over these verses because they're so familiar. And we miss the reality that we have a promise that's been given to us that the wonderful counselor is ours. Not a single one of us ever needs to go through something beyond our comprehension with fear. Because he who knows all things is faithful to just give us the counsel we need. The phrase mighty God I love, and this is really not what I'm talking about, but I have to talk about it. Mighty God literally means the one who's above all, i.e. there is no power greater than him. He holds the absolute most authority in the universe. I remember when I, when I studied that, it just hit me for the first time, like, he has totally got this. There's nothing beyond his care. I shouldn't be afraid. Prince of Peace. I love that one. How many in the last couple years have needed some peace? <laughs> Isn't it fun to know that we have a rightful access as sons and daughters of God to call out for peace and he'll give it? Scripture says he gives a peace that passes understanding. What's that mean? It means I don't understand why I'm peaceful, but I'm peaceful. I love that. Everlasting Father. How many would join me and say, once or twice in my life, I've probably had some dad issues. <laughs> I've probably had some leader issues. But we have this one who's never going to fail us. He's going to walk with us through everything. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What I want to highlight is this thing that happens in Luke chapter 1. It's a statement that the angel Gabriel makes to Mary. He's talking to a 14-year-old girl. He's just told her, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. I don't know about you, but that might stop your day in its tracks. And she rightfully responds. We looked at this Sunday. She rightfully responds back to him and says, hey, I don't understand how this is possible because I'm a virgin and I am not going to sacrifice my purity. You're like, she doesn't say that. Eh, it's kind of hardwired in there. If you look at his response, it's, he's definitely not upset. But I love this phrase in verse 37 where he looks at her and he says, hey, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That's what I want to talk about. The word impossible, it means in, incapable of coming to pass, unable to occur. 
It means it's not going to happen. So Gabriel says to her, hey, I want you to understand, in your lifetime, there's not a single thing you're going to face, Mary, that he can't supersede. There's nothing that's beyond him. And we, if you're like, how many have ever watched the, the Charlie Brown Christmas? You remember Angel Gabriel as he's being depicted, which is like a five to seven-year-old kid in a long white gown with like a weird halo thing over his head, and he can barely speak, and he's declaring this. Sometimes we get that picture in our head when we think about the angel Gabriel. I'd love to just push pause for a second and talk about who Gabriel actually was. Because I think when you understand who Gabriel was, the scope of what he said gets a lot bigger. Gabriel is from a, how many know that in the angelic realm there is a hierarchy? He's one of the highest ranking angels in heaven. The one trusted to deliver the word of the Lord over and over again. It's not like he's just saying to Mary, you got this, I'm gonna encourage you. No, that's not what he's saying at all. This is one who has stood with God from eternity past. He has seen every movement. He has been there at the right hand watching around the throne, seeing the Godhead move about in creation, move about in the cosmos and things that we don't even understand that are beyond us. How many know that the, the universe and what you know of it isn't actually all there is? But yet he understood and saw all of this. So what he says to Mary is, I need you to understand something. I have been with this one from eternity past. I've been alongside of him from the beginning. And in every situation, in every time something came towards him that seemed like it was impossible, it was vanquished. Mary, I need you to understand impossibility doesn't exist with him. Everything's possible. So as I was reading through this and studying through it, I kept thinking about the phrase, I just could not lose the phrase, nothing is impossible with God. The first glance, obviously, everything's possible with God, pretty obvious. But I kept getting hung up on this word with, so I got all excited and opened my concordance to see that with isn't in the Greek. And I'm like, oh, I thought I had a point. But then I started studying and I realized it's actually stronger because what the Greek says is impossibility and God are never going to connect. He'll never partner with impossibility. He supersedes it. And then all of a sudden it started like turning in my brain a little bit. I realized if we read it different, something happens. Nothing's impossible with God. And I felt this deep sense of challenge in me that says, you know what that really says? There's a bunch of stuff, Greg, that's impossible with you. But with him, nothing. When you and I are willing to connect and to partner and say, Lord, I'm not doing this alone. I'm, it's you and me all the way through. No matter what I face, no matter what the situation is, no matter how dire it is, no matter how dark it is, it doesn't matter how, how messed up it is. You just simply say, you know what, Lord, it doesn't matter what I'm going through, here's what I know. It's going to be you and me. I'm not doing it alone. When Gabriel says to Mary, nothing is impossible with God, it's instantly for me what jumps out is this invitation to go, yeah, like never before, I want to do this with him. I don't want to do it alone. Well, we've been for the last couple sessions, the last two Sundays, we've been looking at 
these Christmas stories and looking at the narrative. And we've really been looking at the characters because the assumption is God chose the people to build this story for a reason. They weren't random. He wasn't just going to do it with anybody. There was, there was things about them that drew him to them. And so we've been looking at them with the, with the question of what can we learn from them about how to serve God, how to live. Because I don't know about you, but I, I want to live a better life for the kingdom. I would say this. It's, it's 21. Moving into 22, I want at the end of 22 to be able to say more of me was committed to him. He had more space in my heart to consume. And so we've been looking at, hey, how can we grow? And I really started to get caught with Mary. We've talked about her age. Most scholars believe she's about 14. Somebody argued with me, I think she was 17. Great. If you're over 30, 17 was a long time ago. How many would say, I'd do 17 again? Man, what what could I do if I knew how to do it again? How many are like, I love my life, I wouldn't change it? Good for you. You're like, I know God's sovereign. We can't, we, I'm not, just play with me for a second. So she's 14 to 17. What captures me in this is how she steps into an impossible situation. How many are like me in this last year you faced one or two things that felt fairly impossible? One or two places where you would say, I just don't know how it's gonna work. I don't see a way out, I don't see a solution, I can't figure it out. For me, it's a dead end, it's it's just done. There's three things that I think Mary does. One, the, the overarching thing in the story is there's this bizarre sense in her of partnership. It's almost like she got, a, she got a, a whiff of what the angel was saying. She's like, oh, I get it. Okay, so me and God can do this. He can do anything he wants to do. I'm just along for the ride. Great, I'll be faithful. Church, that is so what I want for us as we move forward. That we would be a people that would just say, he can do anything he wants. I'm on. I'm in. I'm going for it. Lord, use me, do whatever you want with my life. I'll face any impossibility. There's three things she does that I think are important. The first thing she does, this one's a big one. How many have ever been afraid? The rest of you are just stoic. You're like ice cold, like ice in your veins. You're like, nothing gets to me. How many have been afraid? The word the angel uses when he speaks to her, he says, Mary, don't be frightened. The word frightened in the Greek means to be spun up or agitated. It's like that idea of having a heightened sense of alarm. I've walked through some situations like that. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's somebody walked up behind you because now I've historically in the life of vintage occasionally stood behind a corner to scare people when they walk around. And so every once in a while it comes back upon me and they get me really good and they catch it on camera and they replay it over and over again. Sometimes it's being frightened like that and you get, a good, you get a good fright, but other times it's life situations that are terrifying. And you lay in bed and you spin up and you just can't sleep because all you can do is think about how it's gonna go bad, how it's gonna work out, what's gonna happen, what's, and you find yourself becoming what I would call crazy. Anybody like me? You get crazy in your own thoughts? Anybody been awake at two o'clock in the morning this last year at least once being crazy? See, I move into this conspiracy place where the world's playing chess against me and I got to figure out my pieces and 
because it's fear. What Mary does, it's so important, is she manages her fear instead of letting her fear manage her. Just this young girl in a moment. Because she's afraid. Otherwise, the angel wouldn't have been able to say, don't be afraid. And she instantly manages it. How is what I want to know. Here's how I think. If you look at the narrative, what happened was heaven spoke. How do you manage your fear? You make space for heaven to speak. You go back to your roots. When you're in a situation like that that's beyond you, you make space for heaven to speak. No excuses, no theological arguments about whether or not God speaks or not. If you don't believe God speaks, this is the wrong church for you to be in. You go back to your roots and you make space for him to speak. Church, I don't care if it's a marriage that's on the rocks. I don't care if it's an employment situation that's on the rocks. I don't care if you've been diagnosed with something. You make space for him to speak. And by doing that, you manage your fear instead of letting your fear manage you. Second thing I see Mary do that's so important is that she steps into obedience without needing to understand. How many are really good at obeying when you know exactly what's going to happen? I was talking to a, a lady yesterday. Uh, she's probably 15 years older than I am. And I was trying to explain to her that, that God speaks. She's like, I just wish you'd send a postcard and tell me what it was. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, duh. All of us do. I didn't do the Bible thing. Be like, there's a postcard right here for you. I didn't do that. I actually told her the opposite. I'm like, you know, he won't send a postcard because he's only going to speak when you dive in and learn relationship. He actually shields his voice early to see if you really want to know him. But I love that Mary steps into obedience without understanding. You say, how do you know? Look what the narrative says. Just a couple days after the angel speaks this to her, the first thing she does is she heads out to the hills of Judea to visit her relative Elizabeth because the angel told her Elizabeth was pregnant. Mary didn't know that yet. She just steps into instant obedience. And church, I would love to challenge us and encourage us to be a people that are willing to obey the Lord without having to understand what he means. Because that's called faith. One of my favorite teachers in the world is a guy named Bill Johnson out of Bethel in California. I have spent more road bike sessions sobbing listening to that guy teach. But he said there's an amazing thing that happens when you free yourself up from having to understand what God means, when you're just willing to follow. And church, sometimes in our impossibility, we get stuck because we don't have the courage to obey before we understand. I'd love for us to be a people in this next year that say, I know I heard him. I have no idea what he meant, but I'm going to do what he said. But they'll think we're crazy. They already do. <laughs> the third thing that Mary does that I love, there's this thing that's become known as the Magnificat. It's this song that Mary begins to respond to the Lord with. When I was growing up, Pastor Gary used to teach this all the time, that 
at the Red Sea, Miriam will lead a song of worship, but it's on the wrong side. She doesn't have the courage to declare God's faithfulness before the sea opens. She only knows how to say it at the end. What I see with Mary here is that she steps into worship and chooses to worship in her struggle. Not after. What would it look like if we were those people? In the midst of our struggle, said, you know what? I may not know what's going on. I may not have an answer. I may not understand. He's spoken to me. I know he's spoken to me. I know what he's told me to do. So nothing, absolutely nothing is going to stop my worship. And I'm going to learn how to declare his faithfulness over my situation before I see the results. So obviously in this, my question is, thinking about this word impossible, we go to the definition, incapable of being or of occurring felt to be incapable of being done. It's something that we just don't see, we don't see it happening. For us tonight, my question is, what is that for you? Is it your marriage? Are you, are you in a spot in your home where you're like, I just, I don't, I don't see any, I don't see the run rate on this. I don't think it's going to work. I just can't see that the Lord's going to fix this. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe you're like, I just don't see a way out. I can't figure it out. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's with your kids, moms, dads. Maybe it's with one of those blessings God gave you where you're like, I just can't, can't figure it out. It's not going to work. Maybe it's a relationship with family. Who knows what it is? Maybe it's an addiction where you're like, I can't get out. There's no way. I don't see a way out. Could I just invite you into Mary's posture? first thing you have to do is make space for his voice. How many think you could do that? I can make space for his voice. Can we try to become a people who make space for his voice before we're panicking? Before we're spun up? And then maybe the second thing is we begin to step into obedience to what he says. You're like, I don't want to hear him tell me to apologize to my wife. Do you want health or not? Do we want his answers or not? God takes this young girl who was just willing to move towards him with a simple integrity and he changes the world with her. Scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. He didn't have something just uniquely for her that he's never going to share with anybody else. I think it's what he wants to do with each and every one of us if we'd be willing to step into this life. I don't know where they're going to stand, but I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up here in the corners. We're going to, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to step into some worship because that third thing, that third posture, all of us could do right now. Could I invite you as we worship? If you're facing something you think is impossible, maybe you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need somebody to pray with me. Great, praise God. Can you worship over your situation? If you're here saying, I need help, I need people to pray with me, would you just come up and connect with our teammates? They're up here. They'd love to lay hands on you, pray for you, love on you. Would you close your eyes with me, put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit, it's always our heart cry that you would come 
you'd restore, you'd convict, you'd bring breakthrough. Lord, we want to be a people that would model this young girl's example and trust you with our impossible. In fact, Lord, we just say right now, we do trust you with our impossible. As we worship you, Lord, as we just begin to lift our songs, Holy Spirit, would you just move and flow in this house? Jesus, would you be honored at the worship that rises to you?